Our story opens in chapter 12, but a few weeks ago, uh, when it began, the disciples, you know, they're picking and eating heads of grain on the Sabbath. If you remember the story, and the Pharisees, those religious leaders, they're watching and they say to Jesus, look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus tells them, I say to you that something greater than even the temple is here. And, and Jesus has referred to himself as Lord of the Sabbath. Adding to the Pharisees' frustration is Jesus healing the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. Jesus, the Son of Man, is God, and He's the Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees, you know, they're furious all throughout the Gospel of Matthew, but it's things are building to a head here in Matthew chapter 12 because Jesus crosses the line once again today. This morning, Jesus steps into the ring once again with Pharisees, and, and we'll start in verse 38 this morning. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And I can hear them, you know, they're probably, we want to see a sign from you. You know, kind of na-na-na, you know. Na-na-na-na-na. But Jesus answers, and this is what he says. An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Some strange, strange things we see this morning in Scripture. You know, when we began in 38, some of the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, they're taunting Jesus and they, and they say, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Jesus says, this evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And you know, we're no different in 2019, are we? When's it going to happen? Tell me, not so that I can get my life ready, but I can just try to cram in everything that I want to do so I can get myself ready. But I want to live life the way I want to right before that time. They crave for a sign. And yet, Jesus says no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. Jonah, the guy that's been eaten by the big fish. Why does Jesus mention Jonah? We spent some time with Jonah this summer, and let me quickly refresh the story of Jonah. In the Old Testament we read that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah saying, Arise and go east to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. Jonah was a prophet. Um, and so God says, Go, cry against it before their, because their wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh was a city of Gentiles. They weren't Israelites. They, they didn't follow the God of Israel. They're, they're, they're not Jewish. They're seen as heathens. And Jonah doesn't want to go to the Ninevites. 
And so Jonah rises up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and so he goes west. He goes the opposite direction. God tells Jonah to go east, so Jonah thereby goes west, and possibly 6,000 miles in the opposite direction. And the Lord hurls a great wind on the sea, causing a great storm on the sea, and the sailors they become afraid and they, and they begin to pitch cargo to lighten the load. And the sailors say, come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. This is somebody's fault. So they cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah. And Jonah tells them who he is, why he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. The men become frightened, extremely frightened. And they say, what should we do? that the sea may become calm for us. And so Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you. And so that's what they do. They pick Jonah up, throw him in, and the sea stops its raging. And in Jonah chapter 1, verse 16, we read this, Then the men feared the Lord greatly. That was a sign they received. (laughs) Uh, And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows... And then in verse 17 of chapter 1 of Jonah, this is what we read. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. What happens? Jonah has a little talk with the Lord. And then the Lord commands the fish to vomit Jonah up on dry land. And then when Jonah chapter 3 starts... The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. Jonah obeys this time, goes to Nineveh, and and Jonah preaches an eight-word sermon. (laughs) Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown, and then the people of Nineveh believed in God. The men of Nineveh, they repented. They turned from sin at the preaching of Jonah. So what happened to Jonah during those three days and three nights while he was in the belly of the sea monster? Well, Jonah exclaims in Jonah chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Weeds wrapped around the head of Jonah, and that's not unlike a death shroud. Jonah says, I descended to the roots of the mountain, to the the very bottom of the continent. Uh, The earth, with its bars was around me forever. The earth with its bars. When you think of bars, you, you think a lockup. You know, I think when I think of that iron door slammed shut, I think of Barney Fife. You know, <laughs> you think of the jail. And, and so bars mean prison, mean jail. And, and so what happens, Jonah says this, While I was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you. Jonah remembers the Lord and prays to the Lord. And then, one of the most poignant and powerful verses, not just in Jonah, not just in the Old Testament, but in all of Scripture. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, are these words, Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Salvation is from the Lord. We're going to see that again. This morning in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, we read the Scripture, For just as Jonah was in the three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus makes a comparison between these life-changing, history-changing 
days in Jonah's life and what will be three days that will change the very heart of creation and history itself with Jesus. This is the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that we see anything about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus in this verse. In Matthew 1, we read these words, that, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then, and, then, and then we read this in Matthew chapter 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so in Matthew chapter 1, we are told clearly that Jesus, son of David, is God with us, and that he will save the people from their sins. But thus far in Matthew, we're not told how. But you've got to keep in mind that we've known since the beginning of the Old Testament that God would provide a sacrificial lamb for our sins. And, but 1240 is, is the first time that this resurrection language is used. And in 1241, we read that the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah when I gave you the synopsis a few minutes ago of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, it, it says that the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called a fast and they put on sackcloth. The men of Nineveh repented. They turned from sin at this preaching of Jonah. And now Jesus says, Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus has told the Pharisees at the beginning of the chapter, at the very beginning of chapter 12, that something better, something even better, something greater than the temple had arrived. And now he exclaims that something better, something greater than Jonah is here. Look, looking back, Jesus takes this example of Jonah, and then looking forward, Jesus points ahead to the cross, and points ahead to the grave, and points ahead to his resurrection. And, and as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, in the heart of the sea, Jesus will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And as Jonah has these weeds wrapped around his head, almost like a mummy, like a death shroud, and he's sunk to the bars of the prison of the earth, the lowest of the low, Jesus will be freed. He'll be freed by the Holy Spirit from the death shroud and he will be resurrected and he will be freed from the prison bars of the tomb, changing history and creation forever. Amen. 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 Jesus shedding of blood because he's a sacrificial lamb. That brings salvation. That brings salvation. And salvation is from the Lord, which is Jonah's proclamation back in Jonah Chapter 2, verse 9. Jonah 2, 9. Salvation is of the Lord. And in the original language, I think I told you this this summer, the phrase is salvation of God. That's the, we add the syntax, the prepositions, but it's salvation of God. Yeshuata Yahweh. Another form of Yeshuata is Yeshua, which is Jesus. Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9 says, Jesus of God. As Jonah was a prophet, Jesus is the greater prophet. 
Jesus is God. And, and the men of Nineveh, they repented and they turned from sin at the preaching of Jonah and the men of Nineveh could see it. The Israelites cannot though here in Matthew chapter 12. They can't see it. The Pharisees, they're reeling with all this language. And this is what happens next. And there in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says another odd statement. He says, the queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. King Solomon, he's the son of King David, the son of Bathsheba, and he's the wisest man who ever lived. In fact, in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, this is what the Lord says of Solomon. He says, I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Yeah. That's a promise that, that God gives to Solomon. So who is the queen of the south? What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Mark where, where we are in Matthew chapter 12. Put your finger there if you can, or bookmark or pencil. And then I'm going to ask you to turn quickly, just for a minute, to 1 Kings chapter 10. That's in the Old Testament. But I want you to see this if you, if you have access to it. If not, I'm going to read it. 1 Kings chapter 10. Now when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. And so she came to Jerusalem with this very large retinue and with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So she comes to visit... And she's bringing all sorts of stuff with her. And she sits down with Solomon. And Solomon there in verse 3 answered all of her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters in their attire, his cupbearers, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. I mean, she's blown away. She's overwhelmed. And this is what she says to the king. It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless... I didn't believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. Can you imagine? Yeah. And this is what she says. Behold, the half was not told me. I mean, it's twice what I could have ever imagined. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I had heard. How blessed are your men... How blessed are these, your servants, who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Well, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says that the queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it. Why? Well, because she came from the ends of the earth to see and to hear the wisdom of Solomon. 
And behold, she has seen, and even she will testify that something greater than Solomon is here. Something even better. Something greater than Solomon. Solomon, who, whom God delighted in to set this son of David on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore God has made Solomon king to do justice and do righteousness. Well, Jesus, and that was in Solomon's day, but Jesus, son of David, whom God delights in, has been set on the throne. <laughs> and not just because God loved not just Israel, but God loves all the nations. And, and we saw this in Matthew chapter 12, 20, verse 21. In His name, the nations will put their hope. All the nations. And because of the cross, because of the grave that's coming, just in a few chapters... But what has happened because we as a kingdom people look back at the events of the cross and the tomb and the grave and the resurrection, Jesus has been crowned king. And as we began the service this morning, I quoted this verse, that therefore God has exalted Jesus to the highest place and has given him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, something even better, something even greater than King Solomon is here. Jesus, he's the greater king. Jesus has come to rule the nations. You, you see, the Pharisees, they know the story of Jonah. And so when Jesus says that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, at the very beginning of chapter 12, Jesus, he, you know, he said that something greater than the temple is here. And then he refers to the sign of Jonah, and he's saying salvation is of the Lord, and Jesus is saying that He is of God and that He is God. And then when Jesus refers to the story of Jonah... He's referring to Nineveh and God's heart for the Gentiles. Remember, they were a heathen people. God's desire for them was to repent, to turn from sin. And see, it's not enough for Jesus to say that something greater than the temple is here. Jesus says, behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus, the greater Jonah, is offering repentance for not only Nineveh, but for all people. All people. And, and the Jews hear this, and they are losing their minds. They are furious. When the, where the Ninevites repent, the Israelites, they, re, they reject it. And, and the Pharisees, you know, they're listening. And what happens... See, they know who King Solomon is as well. <laughs> and they know the story of the Queen of the South. And they know that the Queen gave a blessing to King Solomon... When she said, I came and my eyes had seen it and behold, it was twice as much or more than what I had imagined. And you exceed in wisdom and prosperity. The report which I heard, Solomon exceeds everything she heard. And now, there's a king who exceeds Solomon. Jesus shedding of blood will bring Salvation, salvation from the Lord. Jonah's proclamation from way back in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. Yeshua, Yahweh. Jesus is God. Jesus, the greater prophet. 
priests at this time, they were the mediator between a holy God and an unholy man. And, and they were the ones who offered sacrifices. And, and Jesus is telling all these in his presence, he's telling the Pharisees at the beginning of the chapter that there's something greater than the temple. Something greater than even the temple is here. Jesus has referred to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. What he's referring to is that he's the sacrificial lamb of God that will be slain for the sins of the world. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Jesus is the greater priest. He's not just the greater prophet. He's the greater priest. And in his name, the nations will put their hope. Something even better, something even greater than King Solomon is here. Jesus, the greater king. Jesus, son of David. Jesus, the prophet. Jesus, the priest. And Jesus, the king, who exceeds them all. Amen. How do we respond to the one who exceeds everything that we could imagine? How do we respond to this greater prophet, greater priest, and greater king who knows everything about each one of us? We see that Solomon is wise. Jesus is the very Word of God, the very wisdom of God that we see all the way back in Proverbs. Jesus, wisdom embodied, knows everything about each one of us. And this is, this is the good news of the Gospel. He still went to the cross for us. Isn't that good news? Yes! Went to the cross so that each of us, if we would trust in that and believe that, and could see that, that we could have this gift of abundant life, abundant life that, that, that Jesus tells us in John chapter 10. Jesus came to bring life, came to bring life abundantly, came to bring us life abundantly, came to bring us eternal life. How do we respond? Paul says in Romans that he says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead those iron bars of earth removing that death shroud that you'll be saved. Amen. Amen. Salvation is of the Lord. Jesus is God. With the heart, the person believes. It's not just what we say, but with the heart we believe. And that results in righteousness that only we can get from Jesus, not because of any good that we do, anything we can earn. It's simply the gift of righteousness that Jesus gives us. And with the mouth, Paul says, the person confesses, resulting in salvation. I was 13 years old when I couldn't handle the guilt of my sin anymore. And I trusted 
in Jesus. I, I didn't know all the theological ramifications of how it all looked. But I didn't question the good news that he offered me. Amen. Yeah. Salvation is of the Lord. You know, something else that Paul says, he says there in Romans chapter 10, he says, whoever believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. Yeah. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord, like those men of Nineveh, will be saved. 